Hello. No, oh, it's incredibly me. loud. So, sorry. Oh. <laughs> uh. Yep. No, I'm. I'm now deaf. Uh. Let's do the deaf episode. Can I turn you down on my computer? Probably yes. Sort <laughs> about that. That's okay. I'm only bleeding from the ear. Have you started? Welcome. Oh, you bastard. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Naughty Kids, the podcast where we explore the best of that halcyon age when things were better, dungarees were worse, and the Spice Girls ruled with an iron fist. It is, of course, the late 90s and early noughties. I'm Josh Hinton, 1994 to present. And I'm Joey Hart, 1994 to... This week, we're slumping down on the sofa of memory and tuning in to the world of late 90s and early noughties TV. Perfect, I think that works well. That's very good. Thank you for thank you to the abyss for that guest appearance. Absolutely, <laughs> abyss for guest starring on today's show. More Always a later. pleasure to have you with us. Thank you ever so much, abyss, bringing bringing depth to, to proceedings. Uh, we didn't want to avoid that. Hey, I also made a pun there. I you joined did. in. Sorry, I, come I was, on. I was too busy with my own pun. I was <laughs> pun wars have begun already. Spaced out. I'm taking my policy these days is to just hold silence while you do this. Oh, okay. <laughs> You've got to respond, otherwise I'm just, just sat in a room telling puns to myself, which is not something I don't do. I was going to say, you know, not the something walls I'm, can I'm be not very saying I don't enjoy. I, I do. I yeah, don't enjoy it. it's what yeah, I do exactly. in the car I mean, I, when I'm driving. The problem is, they come so thick and fast that if I laugh and go after every one, then I just spend a good five minutes going. <laughs> that could, in itself, be you know very good listening. It could. Our... It's almost becoming a, a new feature at the start of our podcast. You know, we, we've almost the last couple of episodes we've just started with a flurry of wild puns. Mm. I don't know whether we should we should codify this, and maybe the listeners, of whom there are at least some, should uh, inform us whether they would like a flunpurry. <laughs> <laughs> a flunpurry to make a delicious flunpurry. First, start with a thick base of ridiculous comments. Mix in a large handful of references nobody will get and flourish uh, with a, a, a cherry of, of fond memories mixed in with... Anyway, yeah, something like that. <laughs> I, ran, yes. I ran out flun, of wits there. Parry. What happened there? Was it started uh, just, it, it started great. I thought you were going to end really strongly when you said, you know, a cherry of... I was like, and here it comes, the punchline. And it, as, blah, 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 blah. The pun but I like shall I? Exactly. There we go, that works. So there we are. Uh... A pun flurry at the beginning, yes. I quite like that. I quite like the term pun flurry. So, we've already so yes, this week. Yeah. Go on. Are this you week, it? we're discussing television, which was back. You know, we can do a we can do a back in our day, can't we? Because that's the whole point of this is uh, is is living living the past. And back in our day, there were only some channels, four, five. When, I, we, were, when I, we were really small, I remember five on the television. Yeah, I think I about five. There was there was one. And, um, Two was the second one I seem to remember. ITV sat at a firm number three. At number four, it was Channel Four, followed by a sweet, sweet number five. 
Just ITV there being a bit a bit hipster. Being a bit hipster, no. having its own thing. We're yeah. not going to be Channel 3, we're going no. to be ITV. So you had the BBC 1, the BBC 2, the ITV, Channel 4, and then and then Channel 5, I think it was just called Channel 5. Or Chanel. Yeah, it still is. Chanel number 5, is it? Like, you know... <laughs> um, and it was you, you did you did need the uh, the radio times didn't you I, one of my earliest memories actually yeah. of any variety is is sitting on the armchair in my parents well it was in my parents house so i was five also in my house sitting and, in uh, the armchair of my large spacious mansion that i bought at the age of four <laughs> in my penthouse flat and my maid stood at my side and she said to me so what would you like to watch on the telly no but i do i remember sitting there in the armchair with my mum next to me flipping through the radio times going well it you know, ten past four. There's the Teletubbies, and at, you know, nine p.m. There's Die Hard, and you know, what would you like to watch? And yeah, those uh, were the two options. They were. Dearest, is it Teletubbies or Die Hard again this evening? Would you like to be entertained or scarred, my dear son? And uh, and yes, it was. It was just a lot more, um, a lot you more mean, analog. And I remember that my my TV back then was was square for a start, mm-hmm. and and it was made of black, thick plastic, mm-hmm. and and it was about the size of a postage stamp and you could just about determine that there were people on it mm-hmm. if you were looking carefully it was very exciting it, it was televisions were, were always bigger going backwards than they were ever big side to side top to bottom <laughs> that's very true that's true if you turned them on the side you'd have had more surface area facing you than was actually there i mean i suppose it's because you know they were tubes weren't they like they ca- were cathode, they were ray cathode rays exactly. yeah so they needed the space didn't they it was to, busy to shooting project. electrons directly at your face yeah yeah that's what before needed to happen. I, I remember LCDs, we just just before or rather when everyone was just starting to get flat screens because they were just becoming affordable to you know mere mortals we got uh, the television from my auntie's house which they they were a bit slightly more wealthy than we are they owned a huge great big farm and they gifted us their old television, which was a cathode ray tube television, but it was about 20 inch, maybe more, 30 inch right. television. And it was just colossal in how far back it went. And so, of course, yes. you had to have the telly in the corner of the room, because if you had it in the middle of the room, you simply couldn't go through the room. So you tucked it into the corner, and the ray kind of <laughs> sat behind it. That's right, yes, because you said flat screen, but what you meant was widescreen, because they weren't flat for a long time, were they? No. No, exactly. It was this was great, huge, big thing, and it was far bigger than the one we'd had before. But it didn't I do have it. we. It didn't have a built-in video player. You had, you had to have a, a standalone little video player, which made the best noises. Did you record things off the telly? Yeah, we, used we did. To record yeah. programs off the telly, and you put the thing in, and you'd know the exact right noises it should make, and you knew the exact right noises it shouldn't make when you put a, a, a videotape in. And then you'd hear. The, as it starts to spin up and you're like oh yeah. I'm, at, I'm at the end I need to rewind and it'd speed up all the way yes, back through the tape right. you're like ah now we're back at the beginning we lived on a world of analogue sounds it was fun wasn't it they were, they were pleasing if you go back to I the beginning remember. of a YouTube video now you just go like that and you're at the beginning there's no yeah. kind of theatre involved. There's no. But you're not aware of levers and cogs and wheels turning, are you? Exactly. I remember ours was. Um, we, we got ours. We got most of our stuff in general secondhand at that stage, and um, and we. I think it was my grandparents 
uh, old video player that we got and mm. again it was made of black plastic it was thick and heavy and you know it was like i remember it i remember it arriving with them whenever they brought it to us and being like <gasps> we have a video player you know we can ooh, we can watch things that aren't scheduled by the government and you and, could you could um, sense the expense and quality of that kind of thing. yeah you know it was a, i mean it wasn't at all quality it was it was but it lasted us a good few years and but the, th the main thing i remember about it was that every so often it would i don't really you know even now really understand the uh the sort of technical reasons behind this but it would you'd develop snow on the picture you yeah. know you'd be watching a video that was perfectly fine but every, and just it would just start to have static in the in the image and the way to fix it was just to go and slap it on the top bang <laughs> you just walk over you did you just walk over whack and hit it really hard on the top and then that's become a bit of a joke a bit of a sort of like oh that's how you fix it but it genuinely was you whacked it and it would go away and I yeah. have no idea what the explanation for that was. I suppose a build-up of static electricity inside it that you somehow like encouraged to Earth or something. I don't know. It, it, it could well have been that simple, that actually you didn't need to hit it at all. If you just gently touched it, it might have, you, might have you could fixed have solved itself. the same problem. I don't know. As, as, a, uh, as a qualified engineer, no idea what's happening there. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> something electromagnetic or yeah. not could be who knows it could be a loose wire that when you hit it, it wiggles slightly and it gets into the right position that could well have been the thing as well but we'll never uh, know yeah we we'll never will and there was always the thing of you know if you rented a, a video from blockbusters which we did we're getting off tv a bit God. here but middle class um, <laughs> where did you rent yours from we never the, rented the anything bin man. we were happy you didn't we, rent anything we watched the same video we played it backwards and that was good enough television the actual television itself, not just what you could put beneath the television in the form of a video, but but the programs yes, let's on focus, television. Let's focus our gaze upwards about six or seven inches. Yes, look up, children, at the magic box, which entertains and Flick, informs. Flickers and to life with, with bands of colour. Wiggly, 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 wiggly. wiggly that. So when did you have, you had television wheeled in, I'm, I'm going to go off topic again here, but staying on topic in... <laughs> Obviously, in school, when you had to yes. watch a video, yes, the largest television I'd ever seen, on the top of the most wobbly trolley I've ever seen. <laughs> they looked like they were made out of pig iron, didn't they? Those televisions. Where did they come from? Who? I mean, were they military televisions or something? Where did they come from, Cotton Eye Joe? Well, no, exactly. And they were wheeled into the classroom, and everyone was like, "This is going to be good." And then some nineteen eighties. You know, documentary. Some man who was more hair than human would appear on the television. It was almost, go, it was almost igneous rocks. Uh, Adam Hart Davis, I seem to remember, was was often on. Oh yes, I'd forgotten about him. What the Romans did for us? Do you remember that? Oh, what the Romans did for us! That I was brilliant. That program. It was. I just brilliant. love how the whole the whole premise of that program was: you, the viewer, think the Romans were rubbish and did nothing. I will disabuse you of this fact. When in fact, nobody thinks that. What <laughs> the Romans ever that. done for us? Well, Adam Hart Davis will tell us. He is the antidote to Python. Uh, absolutely. That was yes, that was very good, wasn't it? And it was basically like the Romans created a fully functioning society that then totally collapsed when they left. Although yes, exactly, I now we went into the, the Dark Ages. The Dark Ages, but at least they were British Dark Ages. No parallels to anything else that's going on at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> is there a Dark Age going on elsewhere? Well, you know, we've just abandoned the uh, Every 12 hours society. we go into the Dark Ages. That's night time, that's what that is. <laughs> this must be stopped. We must in instill civilization at all times. You have to run around the Earth really quickly. Exactly. Yeah, but no, but... The <laughs> is that possible? Could you... Could you yes, you could can. Could you fly you can in constant daylight? Yes, of course you can. 
That's very cool. It takes well, about how eight, fast it, is... it takes about eight hours to fly. No, it doesn't. It takes about twelve hours to fly around the Earth. What? No, it must take longer than that, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. Jeremy Clarkson did it, because... but he did it and he cheated because he used Concorde because it was in the nineties. That's not cheating. That's just a fast plane. I know, but you can't do it anymore, so therefore it's cheating. <laughs> the fact that it was going to break at some point in the future meant it was invalid at the time. Exactly. Right, but yes, you can. I suppose, have... no, I suppose that's true because because it took yes when I flew to Hong Kong it took twelve hours and that probably is on the other, well no, but that's the other side but that's flying, flying quite slowly you is only, that what you're saying you only have to fly to the other side of the world you don't have to go all the way back round otherwise you're back in nighttime again but you said it takes twelve hours to fly around the world yes that's what I, yes to the other side oh to the other side right Cause, yes 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 because yes, if you fly if you fly three sixty <laughs> you end up back where you were. Well, yes, I am aware of that. I was just challenging the statement you made that it takes 12 hours to fly around the Earth. And I was like, if you want it to stay anyway. daytime where you are, that doesn't work. You can't do that. Unless right, you go so you to, want to fly, What you speed do to... you have to fly at, basically, to, to hover? What? How fast do you have to be going to right. match the speed of the Earth right. and hover? Here we go. We are thoroughly on topic. How fast does the Earth rotate? Five miles an hour. I think it's quicker than that. 10 miles an hour. It's roughly a thousand miles an hour. So it has to be flying at a thousand miles an hour to stay in place over one spot. Yeah, interestingly, Google tells me that the Earth rotates once every 23 hours and 56 minutes. Wait, no, but is that right? Because actually, when you're stationary, you're traveling at that thousand miles an hour, aren't you? Because you're on the Earth. So well, we are currently traveling at a thousand miles an hour. And if you add a thousand miles an hour in a plane, you have to go back. You're actually doing a thousand miles an hour, yes. So it depends. So what we're moving on to here is relativity, not special relativity, (laughs) but relativity. So it depends. Where are you measuring your inertial frame of reference? So are you saying that the I'm saying I want to fly is a fixed point, Uh and that's rotating. Uh And are you saying relative to the axis of the Earth, you wish to remain the same radius distance away from it without any angular momentum, angular velocity? I'm going to be honest and say I don't know. What I what I want to happen is, I, like, let's imagine I'm flying in a plane. Mm-hmm. It's moving forwards. If I stuck my head out the window, my hair would ruffle. Mm-hmm. But beneath me, mm-hmm. the same spot, let's say Luton, yes, is is there, and it's not moving away from me. I'm not moving away from it because I've, I'm going the same speed as the Earth. Is that possible? Yeah, well, yes, but you have to be several thousand miles from the Earth in geostationary orbit for that to happen. Because the atmosphere changes things. Well, you could, I mean, you can hover in a helicopter if you want to. That exists. Hovering, yes. hovering things exist. If you but want, why to, does it not work? Why, why, could no I, why could I do it? Why could I do it up in space, but not in yeah, the atmosphere? The, why is the, that? Because the air's in the way. So when you're, if you're in right. space, you are technically traveling a lot faster. But relative to a point on Earth, you are stationary. Yes. But why saying. is that the case? When it, why, why if I then just pull pull the radius down and end up in the atmosphere, do I suddenly can I suddenly not hover while moving forwards? Well, Newton explained this very well when he was talking about gravity and how orbits work. So if you imagine you live on flat land, yeah, imagine the Earth is flat. Yes. This goes on for some time, and is extremely tedious. We haven't considered that the Earth is rotating in any of, it, any of these discussions up until this point. I see. Does that does that help? 
<laughs> massively. I mean, other, melted out I mean, my ears. It, to answer your earlier question, which is, can I hover over Luton? Yes, just by a helicopter. <laughs> okay, job again. Thank you ever so much. And with that, back to television, back to the studio. Um, walking with dinosaurs. That's what I want to propose. Um, I think that's an excellent proposition. I rewatched this recently, so I not only have fond childhood memories, I have current manhood memories. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my sweet manhood memories. Yuck. That sounds horrible. <laughs> adulthood, maybe slightly better. Adulthood. Well, what? I'm, okay. Okay. I consider myself an adult. What are, your, what are your adulthood memories of walking with dinosaurs? Well, shall we start with childhood memories? Since we should probably start with childhood since memories. Since we're the late musing 90s, on the noughties. thoughts of the late nineties and indeed early forties, exactly. Yes, um, I love that program. I have to say, it's probably my favourite television program on the television as a child. It, it was quite revolutionary, wasn't it? Because, I, I mean, you know, CGI. We 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 sort of grew up with CGI, as in CGI grew up alongside us, didn't it? Because Toy Story came out when we were very small. And that was one of the first proper Pixar films, wasn't it? And I and, think it came and out when you watch Toy Story now, it it I mean it doesn't look awful, but it, you know you can really no, see no, how you, far you, things exactly. have come. And it, um, walking yes. with dinosaurs was probably one of the first uses of CGI. Certainly, uh, maybe not first, but at least one of the, one of the you know first most popular uses of CGI to kind of enable you to feel like you were photorealistically watching something that is impossible for you to watch. For those people who've never watched the BBC's Walking with Dinosaur series, it is, it's modelled after the nature documentary style of filmmaking. And so several of the shots have, are are filmed as if there is a person with a camera filming these animals from a distance. These animals are dinosaurs, of course. And occasionally you get spray from their faces as they run past or a bit of spit on the the lens of of the camera, which all adds to the realism. And there is a narrator voiceover saying, and now we can see this herd of Diplodocus. He called them Diplodocus instead of Diplodocuses. I don't know why. Anyway, this herd I've of... I've always liked Diplodocus better. I think it sounds great. This herd of Diplodocus with their swishy swish tails are plodding along, plod, plod. They're all 30 tons. Look how big they are. Swish, swish. Whatever it was. I always used to listen to that, you know, having being quite small and not really having much of a sense of how big anything was. I always used to listen to that. They'd be like, you know, it's X metres long. And try and like figure out how big that was. And I always wanted dinosaurs to be bigger than they were. And so yes. I remember I decided in my head that a T-Rex was the length of the distance from my classroom in school to the very end of the school field, which was a long way. That's <laughs> Probably a big something dinosaur. in the region of, of sort of 200, 300 metres. And I was like, that's how big a dinosaur was. So not the nine to twelve meters that they probably were, which is still colossal. Thing is, yeah, you, something you, they were because you hear that number and you go, okay, twelve meters long. That sounds quite long, and you think, well, it's half a swimming pool. Actually, swimming pools aren't that long. I can swim that length, but no, no, it is. It is colossal. It is monstrously big because most yes. people aren't even two meters long. Yes, it's many people like that. It's... I remember there was a thing at the National History Museum also when I was about this age of, of watching Walking with Dinosaurs where they had an animatronic t-rex which was sort of advertised as having very very primitive ai um and that it would sort of react to mm. stimulus in the room uh, in sure a sort of semi-realistic there. way is it okay it must have just been new then um 
and I was so excited about this. We queued for ages and ages and ages. When we finally got in front of it, you know, I, I just in my head I'd built it up to like it was basically a real T Rex that would behave like a real T Rex would. And of course, it just sort of you know, yes, its legs kind of firmly planted in the bit. ground. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But but yeah, that, that that was the power that this kind of had over you. I mean, obviously, you know, there is a there is a uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Stereotype that small boys all just kind of go through the dinosaur phase, which is kind of true. But walking with dinosaurs did something. It kind of it really brought it to life in a way that that fueled that kind of manic obsession with dinosaurs that kids seem to have. I mean, the, um, just critiquing the program, it was very well done. Half the shots were CGI reconstructions of dinosaurs done in a way we'd never seen. This was based on very up to date science at the time, which said dinosaurs didn't sit, stand. You know, T Rex didn't stand upright with his tail dragging along the ground. You know, he was more horizontal. He looked more like a bird. He moved quickly. And then the other half of the shots were puppets of their head or their foot on a carcass or whatever it was. And it was real. So it looked real. And it was fantastic. It was absolutely And the third element, of course, that we haven't mentioned is the gut-wrenching, heart-pulling stories they constructed around these stories, uh, these dinosaurs. I did not pick up on that as a child. Didn't you? Flip it, neck. There was there was a special they did. There was like a whole episode, quite a long episode about called Big Al. It was the, about an the ballad of Big Al. The ballad of Big Al. Well, that should give you give you the key, shouldn't it? Give you the, the hints. And it was, it was, it was like it made King Lear look like the Chucklevision. It was just like he was he was the runt of, of the litter. He then broke his. No, he had he had several incidents where he, I think he's got his jaw he was got broken at one point. And, he then broke his toe during a fight or he just tripped over a rock or something. It was insignificant. <laughs> and he couldn't then quite catch the dinosaur he needed to. And so he and starved so to he death and died. slowly died. Yeah. Oh, man. And it, but well, there was the I, same I story ending, every episode. There was. I remember ending with him with like his face lying on the ground, raining on his face as he slowly died. And yeah, the, the T-Rex episode that, you know, every small boy was like, T-Rex, T-Rex, T-Rex. She was defending, the T-Rex was defending her her young from an ankylosaurus that mashed her knee with its yeah. tail and then she slowly died over the next 10 minutes for your entertainment as well it was awful yes because the narrator's like and if she doesn't get up from this her young will surely die and then she doesn't yeah. really die and everyone dies You're and like, that's just the end <laughs> like, the producers chose this this isn't a real dinosaur the producers could have made it differently i and i watched them about a year ago and we watched them all the way through all i think it's six episodes and yeah. every single episode starts with, here's a dinosaur that's going to die. Here's how it dies. That's true. And a lot of them, they do, they film them like right, film them, set them right at the end of the particular period. So there's about to be a mass extinction or like they, they film, don't they even have the meteorite hitting the earth? They do in the, in the last episode. Yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And all that stuff. It's very, yeah, very tragic. I mean, considering these things dominated the earth for millions of years they could have just had dinosaur lives a long and happy life some set, of them would have it, done set it one year earlier just one year yeah that'd be fine exactly fine absolutely fine there's no need to see that happen did they it's as if somebody went you know there was a meeting a gathering of executives and one of them went what if people think this is real what if people think there are still dinosaurs about i think i think we should kill them off at the end of every episode just so that nobody goes can i go see oh no they're all dead it's okay i can't go see them. there's not a polynesian island with dinosaurs all over it somewhere. exactly uh, it was wonderful though it was it was brilliant and speaking of chuckle vision that is a good segue because that was also on the list and that's the absolute opposite end of the scale in that even as a small child i found chuckle vision terrifying okay did you, did you watch I'm of an opposite opinion Okay. Even as an adult, I find it enjoyable. 
<laughs> really interesting. I, I <laughs> give your side of the story, and then I should give mine. So I, w- I, I was a regular. We should probably explain it. We should probably watch. explain it as well. So, Chucklevision was two and occasionally three brothers from the same family. Three. Yes. Three. Third, okay. Third so one? It, it mainly follows two brothers called Paul and Barry, um, who are from Rotherham, I think, or something like that. And they are somehow in some situation. Some episodes kind of had some sort of consistency that they lived in a place, but invariably they were on their kind of bicycle car and they would go and start a new job. And that was the general gist of most episodes. And during them starting this new job, things would invariably go wrong. It was a bit of a farce thinking about it. Things would invariably go wrong. The tall one was bossy. The short one was a bit hopeless. There was lots of like hitting each other with planks and that sort of thing. Lots of that. There'd be and, like, one... Was it custard or something? There was some kind of... Something but... they would always get covered in or am I mixing, am I mixing programs? Yeah, no, there, there would be there would be cream or pies porridge or, or whatever. It was. Yeah, cream pies. Or, yeah. That sort of thing they'd always get covered in. But it was hilarious. And it was very funny. And it was their back and forth between them. Whenever they were carrying something, it's to me, to you, to me, to you, to me, to you. Well, that's the thing. They have gifted that to, to the, the English language, haven't they? Long after they died, people will be moving house, going to me, to you, and they won't know why. They won't know why. Nobody but will know. I think for me, it was it was the way the they were they behaved so childishly. I mean, not, not kind of like puerile, but just like children. And yet were so clearly ancient creaky old men even then you know i know they've, they're one of them still alive now so they can't have been that old back then but there was just i don't know there was just something very odd they certainly <laughs> haven't well um yes they, they didn't age did they that was the other thing they appeared to always be around 50 yes exactly they were around 50 and it was just just a bit just a bit strange the whole thing and i i did always find tv programs for kids that involved people being liberally covered in gooey substances which seemed to be a kind of a recurring theme it that you know thing. kids kids wanted to see people covered in gunge i didn't want to see people covered in gunge it no, just I never it made me feel Ugh. there it was, was programs strange. though where they had gunge tanks and i think they had families compete and the family that lost had to elect one person and they'd be dunked into a tank of gunge would be poured all over I was like, I'm not even sure what the chemical was that they were being poured over some sort of. I, yeah, I do wonder what there was because one of them was called uh, "Get Your Own Back." Now that was good. that was the program. That is exactly what I'm talking about. And it, I think was, I, it, was having... it parents versus children or something, wasn't it? It was usually stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd um, having just railed against Gunge, that was actually pretty great. And that yeah, they had the two. They so the, the the thing was, it was like two kids playing the game, and it was like a quiz show, wasn't it? Yeah, and above them on a sort of ratchet system on a on a slope on sitting on a chair at the top of the slope there would be the person they wanted to get their own back on who was oh, you yeah, a parent this, yes or a teacher or an uncle or a football coach and it was always somebody something who, like uh, you know i i kicked a football and broke a window and they you know took away my barbie doll or something it was something so yeah ridiculously... it, was, it was always like they don't let me eat sweets whenever i want or like whatever it was never, never it wasn't it wasn't jeremy kyle it was and like the, the child audience was <laughs> yeah get him yeah yeah we want to see him and get him now get him now a horde of little miniature rioters and uh and and every time they answered a question correctly, they'd go kachunga kachunga another another step up the slope, 
until eventually one of them would answer enough correct questions and the parent would shoot down the slide and into the uh, into the, the thing of gunge. But yes, what was it? What was the gunge? It was clearly concocted to look as unpleasant as possible, but it can't have been anything too awful. Well, it was always it was also sort of toxic green, wasn't it? Designed to look like it was. some sort of chemical waste that had just and been had, donated. And like, had swirling spotlights on it to make it look extra weird. Oh, it did. Yeah. No fun. It was probably custard. Or something along those lines. Just corns. And it was starch, Dave... It? Dave, what's his face? What was he called? Who, who, who was on it? Who was? Hang on, get your own back. Dave. All the best called. episodes we've ever done have involved us frantically. Dave things. Benson Phillips. Ah, oh, Dave Benson Phillips is flipping brilliant. He was, he was excellent. Liked him a lot. Anyway, yes, get your own back. That was good fun. I liked it. But, uh, but yeah, Chucklevision, Chucklevision freaked me out. I did, I didn't like it at all. You weren't a fan of Chucklevision. Yeah, as no. I was saying, there were three brothers in Chucklevision because the angry manager who invariably was the same person, or played by the same person, is yeah. also one of the brothers. What? It doesn't look anything like them. Well, he does, actually, if you see them just in real life. All Chuckle Brothers. What happens if you type this? <laughs> Here again, ladies and gentlemen, we Google things for your pleasure. There are four of them. Imagine in your mind a small boy sitting in his room Googling pictures of the Chuckle Brothers, and you shall have what's going on right now. Okay, there, there are four. There are four Chuckle Brothers. There are four. There are they're growing. There's they're more producing of them every day. They're like amoebas. They split to the more of them. Chuckle Brothers, chuckle, chuckle, chuckle. Oh, and that was the that was the theme tune, wasn't it? Chuckle, chuckle vision, chuckle vision, chuckle vision. I did like their car. Their car was cool. Oh, chuckle vision. I like their car. They're like basically it was one of those things you rent in European cities as a tourist. That's exactly what it is. To cycle about in. Like a like a like a tuk tuk sort of situation, wasn't it? Yes, it was. That's exactly like a tuk -tuk. What it, I think it had four I mean, wheels. Um, did a, yeah, and it was pedal. But powered. again, that was. I mean, that's the thing. All all across t children's television in general that I often found is there is a sort of trippy element to kids' TV, which I don't actually, as a child, remember liking very much. I would sort of get confused by it, and it, and it would sort of leave me feeling a bit on edge. The you know, the fact that it was just never yeah, the fact that it was just never explained, the fact that these men drove around in a pedal car, it sort of leaves a slightly odd taste in your mouth, a slightly kind of, but why, you know, what's what's so, why is their world so weird? And it I used think to kind of just there's a slight answer to that, which I think I understood as a child, which is that a child can't imagine owning their own car because they're a child, but they can imagine owning a car that's actually a bicycle. Hmm. And maybe it was just that it's more like a bicycle than a car. Kids be like, maybe. I want a car that's actually a bicycle because I can ride a bicycle because I'm a child. Yes. I don't know. I did want, on that on that line, it's not really television, but there was a brilliant series of comics called Earl Woolley, which is still going on, I think, which is a Scottish, Scottish series of comics about a, a boy and his friends, you know, classic kind of the Beano style comic. And... Um, and in it, he was always making himself and his friends go-karts. Right. They, they were very sort of, I think the comics originated in the 40s or the 50s or something, you know, back when small boys were just turned out of the house with a hammer and told not to not to come back until the pudding was ready kind of thing. Yes. And, um, and he was always just finding wooden boxes and planks and then turning them into go-karts. And I so wanted one of those. I, and the thing was, well, he was always just driving around town in his go-kart. And it never even occurred to me that you would need a hill to make a go-kart go. Yes, know? yes, exactly. <laughs> or, he was just, or just a, a very loyal companion. 
exactly yeah and I, oh man that was my that was my dream i i you see kids that had them i mean you could get the ones that had pedals which which would you know although because because you were sitting down and your pedals were a long way in front of you you had no inertia control yes. whatsoever so if you weren't going either down a hill or a very flat area you'd be absolutely ruined mm-hmm. but, and but as anyway, a, that's not television and as a man now who owns a car do you feel like you're getting your go-kart driving around town experience it, it, it yeah there's definitely an element of that i mean i would still take a go-kart if someone was like do you want a go-kart but or maybe we'll build one next time we come we've, we've yes made, we've made sticks i think <laughs> i think the next sticks go-karts very much the same the next thing we should do is build a go-kart we should. I would be. I would be very up for building a go kart. Then I'm... maybe we could follow this podcast up with our own TV show about go karting. Yes. <gasps> yes. Let's do that. <laughs> Excellent. I see the the spark of a of a project in your eyes. The other thing about television, though, of course, as a child, um, that we've not really touched on yet was because we've sort of so far been talking about things that were that our parents put on for us you know like i say with the radio times and they'd be like oh walking with dinosaurs oh chuckle vision i'm mean, not sure my parents particularly keen on chuckle vision but you know it was back in the dim and distant days of, of cbbc and citv where it was all that was on the telly and yeah before the days of cbbs that's right and you had to you know the parents had to inform you it was on and then switch it on because at that point i was still too young to know how to turn the television on by myself so you know but when we grew up slightly into the early noughties section of the late 90s and early 90s mm-hmm. sky came along and we got sky we got the like basic package of sky and at which point my sister and i became the masters of our own viewing and we got access to channels like boomerang and nickelodeon and the disney channel oh this is and completely then, outside of my experience we never had anything like that well uh, i'm interested to see whether you had the same the same core experience here which is that we then basically had access to american kids tv and american kids tv everyone speaks like this oh my gosh <laughs> and my parents abhorred the squeaky american accents and my sister and i would sit there and watch hour upon hour upon hour upon hour of like fairly odd parents and that sort of thing and they just my parents would walk through and every, our tv was in front of the door that took you from the, the living room to the stairs so you had to walk past it constantly and every time they'd walk past it like oh this again oh so awful why do you watch this and we'd be like get out, the, get out of the way we can't see the telly did you have that were your parents ever irritated by what you watched on telly or did you always watch sensible things they were they're well, proud of you for we often watched most of our television together when i was little um i say together they didn't watch the children's programs with quite so much enthusiasm but mm. we did move on to evening television which we watched together things yeah. like harry hill's tv burp which is an awful name for a program but was possibly the funniest program we've ever watched. <laughs> Did you ever watch Harry Hill's TV Burp? No, because Harry Hill also falls into the category of things my parents find very annoying. So <laughs> now he's done some rubbish programs, but this this was a roundup of the week's television where he'd show clips from it, and it they would always be he'd be catching out mistakes in the program or really odd things that people say, and then he'd. Yeah. He'd essentially make a meme out of absolutely everything that was happening. Back in the day, before back in the day before memes were even the thing, and he'd have these segments where two people would be saying something, uh, having a conversation on a television program, and they'd mention two things, two people, two items, whatever it was, and um, it was like something in the program. You'd say, "Yeah, I think it's about time we had some sausages." And then Harry would pause the clip and he'd look to the camera and he'd go, "Well, I like time and." 
I like sausages. But which is better? There's only one way to find out. Fight! And then he put his hands out on the desk. And in from either side of the studio, through one door would come time itself. And through the other would come a man dressed as a sausage. And then they'd kind of just wrestle. And then it would go to the, the ad break. And it was the That's most bizarre, bizarre thing ever. Very but it, bizarre. But it, they'd all, he'd always be picking up on puns and stupid things that people said. And we, my parents and I, we just loved this program. It was just uh, utterly that, hilarious. That, that is one of the joys of it, isn't it? I mean, I, I know we've already dedicated probably too much of this podcast to this particular thing. But one of, one of the great happy memories of my childhood was the, the Sunday night Top Gear ritual. Mm. That, that, that when, when Top Gear was on... And it was what was it eight o'clock? It was eight o'clock, wasn't it? On a, on a Sunday night. And 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 for those you know ten or eleven weeks or whatever, the weekends were just better because you you'd get to Sunday afternoon and the and the the terrible Sunday afternoon blues would be massively lightened by the fact that at the end of Sunday afternoon there was Top Gear and Jessica would start playing. Did you realise you'd brilliant. marry Jessica? I, I, all you know. That's why I married her because I was like, finally, I can keep Top Gear in my life all the time. Top Gear every day. Top Gear every day. Every day I wake, I wake up and I look at her and I go, tonight. Shut up. Jessica goes to sleep. Josh has to sleep in the spare bedroom. But he's happy because he's got Jeremy Clarkson. Yes. It was so brilliant. It was so wonderful, and it was a it was a real family ritual, and and we you know we'd all watch it together. And but then it, of course the, the problem with it being last thing on a Sunday was that it would come with the crushing pain that when the credits rolled, there was nothing now between you and school the next day. You know you and on that bombshell, you'd be like, no, Clarkson, don't don't send me to school, and then away you'd go. So you were sent so to was, school on a weekly basis by Jeremy Clarkson. By Jeremy Clarkson, I was. Uh, it was it was a joy. It was yeah. So this but is a, point, the other, a good point about Top Gear that Iona brought up recently. Actually, was what was the moment you realised that all of the madness and strange things that was happening in Top Gear, and actually you realised, wait a minute, this isn't a car show. This is a scripted comedy show. When did when well, did that is, happen? This is where we differ because I don't really care about cars, and I never watched it for the cars, and. Um, if you if you mean when did I realise that it was it wasn't real or that you know it was all heavily scripted? I don't think there's a particular moment where I had the scales fall from my eyes, but there were. I do remember towards the end of the of the Clarks and Top Gear years, there were times when they would particularly. I remember the India special mm. where they kind of focused much more heavily than they had previously on the kind of scripted sections of them cocking about and messing things up and yes. and sort of embarrassing themselves in front of people that was so obviously staged you know them setting fire to things and that's but sort of were they obviously remember... staged because you actually just reached an age where you were noticing these things well no i was going to say what 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 did it for me was that i remember my parents wanted to turn it off Ooh. which was sacrilege because it was like it's top gear you know we have to love it and um and i remember them being like this just isn't funny and i was like you know i was determined that it would be so so as far as i was concerned it was but um but that was that was a moment for me when I kind of realised that, yeah, th- there was a degree of artifice. But I know there's a good story about Iona suddenly realising, isn't there? Iona, Iona w- there was an excellent episode that they did where they were trying... It was winter when they filmed this episode. And they were complaining about the fact that in Britain, every winter, the fact that it's winter is a shock to everyone who lives in Britain. And 
all of our airports shut down and all of our roads through our cities are closed and everyone falls over all the time which actually links nicely to what we said about Norway last episode mm. but they in this episode decided to um, build a gritter which isn't the most exciting sentence in the world but they said Was it a snowplow they decided to build? yeah a snowplow gritting machine because snowplows were so expensive they thought there's got to be a cheaper way to do it and their brilliant plan was combine harvesters are only used for a couple of weeks a year to harvest a crop and then they are these colossal great big machines that go back into a shed and don't get used until summer comes around again it's time to harvest so their brilliant plan was let's put a snowplow on the front of a combine harvester and then drive i think it was through norway or somewhere it was norway yeah um and clear some roads to prove the concept and during this episode, they add several bits to this combine harvest to make it suitable for the job. Snowplow on the front. They turn the grain dispensing arm into a gritter, which grits all the road. And then they attach a flamethrower to the back of it because Jeremy Clarkson. <laughs> and during the course of them clearing this road through this small village, they set fire to a man. <laughs> and at this point, Iona tells me that her... her, her <laughs> Her focus on this program being reality was lost, and she goes, uh, "They've set fire to a man. They can't set fire to a man. Oh no! He must have known he was. <laughs> he must have known he was about to be set on fire. That's why he's nonchalantly walking away whilst also on fire." Yes, exactly. He, he must have a fireproof suit on, and, and this, several this, other this series of thoughts suddenly clicked into young Iona's head. Of yes, uh, exactly. He must have been paid. He must have known this was happening. He must be wearing a suit. Wait, he's on the team. Wait, everyone knew this was happening. Wait, the whole thing was known was happening. It's scripted. Oh, <laughs> this my village goodness. was going to be destroyed anyway. They smashed the windows on purpose. Exactly. It's not even real snow. What? Yeah. <laughs> Jamie Clarkson's head is CGI for this episode. On that sort of, it makes you you know imagine things that could be real that aren't one of my favorite kind of um sources of 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 daydreams oh you know when you were bored in school looking out the window and um one of this one of those tv shows that had the yes i think the, it's about kind time of, you mentioned this one uh exactly core ideas that was just so brilliant and it stuck with you was yes bernard's watch mm, uh such a good which, episode so good and it episode program episode and, well it had uh, many good episode it did. My one I remember. So, anyway, so the, the core core thing of Bernard's watch was he had a pocket watch that stopped time, and had adventures. And but it didn't just stop time. It stopped time for everyone apart from him. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it stopped well, that's time. What I always used to think. I always thought, what happens if he presses the button, and it also affects him? Does that mean the world's just ended? Well, we'd never like, know. It, it's the apocalypse watch, isn't it? Like, Time so, if there's not stops. anyone to unclick it, then he's he's ended the universe. <laughs> does does light <laughs> cease to travel? Yes, if you go into the physics of Bernie's watch, it falls apart rather quickly. It doesn't work. Yes, because yes, the photons in the air would stop moving. And, he, he'd and, be blind uh, throughout the experience be blind. because there'd be yeah. no light entering his eyes, apart from the yes, light that he moves his own face onto, but would then have to move towards the photons at the speed of light in order to have them affect his eyes in the normal way yeah, there's a lot of issues there's a lot of issues there is and How the relative he... speed that he's moving through everything else means that he would like cut himself on a mug like, yes exactly you know, would... <laughs> and, and would would the temperature of the universe you know just instantly drop to you know absolute zero as all electrons cease to cease move to all move. atoms cease to vibrate everything <laughs> just stops this has become the science episode hasn't it this is a good episode but, but anyway the point is 
if you ignore all of the facts that it's not actually possible to stop time, mm. it was brilliant. And, Maybe and, it was and, scripted as well. I hadn't even considered that. Oh, no, you mean it wasn't a documentary. But, wait, what? I remember there was an episode where he went and, and visited, like, I don't know, visited his gran in an old people's home, and then a woman next to him started having a heart attack, and he was just like, don't worry, bipped his watch, wheeled her armchair to the hospital, unbipped his watch, and the nurse... You know, who sees a woman in a chair and a boy appear, appear in front of her. Yes, it's like, bam! Oh. And she's just like, oh, hello. And hello, Bernard goes, she's having a heart attack. appears to be having a heart attack. Exactly. And they take her in and fix her and everything's fine. But I also remember there was an episode where, horror of horrors, he, his watch got smashed. It was in his dad's, it was in his coat pocket and his coat got caught in the, you see how, how, how traumatic this was? I can still remember it. In his coat pocket, coat got caught in the boot of the car and his dad closed the boot of the car and smashed the watch. <laughs> And it was just like, oh my god! The program at that point became Bernard. <laughs> Bernard's Bernard. And good what? <laughs> Bernard's Ber- Bernard's. It's just Bernard. 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 It's a funny, funny name, isn't it? Um, and he took it to a watch repairman, and and the watch repairman opened the back of the watch to fix the clockwork, mm. and there wasn't any clockwork inside. What was inside was a rainbow. A rainbow. Was there a rainbow? I don't remember watching this episode. <laughs> a rainbow. There was. And uh, did he fix the rainbow? Glorious. I can't actually remember how that episode ended. He must have done, otherwise I would have remembered the fact that the watch... In fact, that was the last episode of Burner's Watch that they never made anymore. It wasn't actually a prop. It was a real real item that they then destroyed during filming. The guy guy playing the dad closes the boot and he's like, oh no, I've just done myself out of a job. That's my career ended, along with the watch. Season four. I also remember he could could bring other people with him into the stop time world. If he was holding their hand when he clicked the watch, Mm. then they would would come with him. But he wouldn't bring the ground with him. No, even though he's touching the, pa- the grass he was standing on, still waving. Yes, there's one bit it's of grass w- waving in what? There's no wind, unless he's oh. bringing. Is there? Is there a spherical globe of air around him into which you can stand, and you take that bit with you in time? That's another thing. He'd have to keep moving because he'd just breathe the air that was around him, and then yeah, no, no more would replace it. He'd asphyxiate very, very quickly. <laughs> so dark. There are, there are several problems with it. Hang on a minute. This isn't you speaking. This is our guest star, the Abyss, speaking, isn't it? Abyss, 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 Abyss. <laughs> it's actually Ryan Cox, who's amazing. <laughs> if you stop time, if you would stop time itself, you'd understand that that's why we're here. And wow, it's all <laughs> amazing. You've got to say everything as you're smiling. There's you got no it. reason to smile. I'm I'm like 58 years old, but for some reason, when I wear this shirt with this haircut, I look 23, <laughs> and nobody knows why. It's amazing. <laughs> yes. Art Attack. Art Attack was a brilliant program. Starring, starring another, you know, moving on from Brian Cox, starring another musical talent who turned to television, Neil oh, Buchanan. Yes. Of Marseille, the Nwobam band that never made it to the charts. No, but he did very well as a children's television presenter. He did, which should have happened to other heavy metal stars. I, I think, you know, Gene Simmons does Art Attack would be quite fun to watch, wouldn't it? Yeah, Al- Alice Cooper teaches you how to sew on a button. <laughs> 
I'd watch that. <laughs> While on fire with a python around his neck. Yeah! So, and then you do a I'd back stitch in order to hold it I mean, properly. Alice Cooper is now a born-again Christian golf player, so you're not so far off the mark. A born-again Christian golf player? Yeah. He is both of those things, a born-again Christian and a golf player. He's a born-again, and he plays Christian how, golf. Exactly. He's written a book about how golf saved him from his alcoholism. Like, basically, he used golf to fill the, the <laughs> to fill the gulf. Do you mean he used <laughs> tea? <laughs> oh, bum, bum, bum. And... Uh, I don't think I don't think the Christianity came with the golf, but um, it wasn't Christian yeah. golf. It was that was it. It was golf. It was golf it played was by a Christian. God golf. God golf. God, god golf, golf to exactly. Billy. A god golf. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, no, but Aztec was brilliant. I my my main sort of memory of Aztec was basically that it it was it was really brilliant at teaching you about disappointment mm. because you would see him go, it's very easy. All you do is you get a yoghurt pot. There's always a yoghurt pot involved, wasn't yep. there? Always a yoghurt pot. And then, you know, here you can see we've created the Mona Lisa. And you'd be like, oh, it's great. I'll get my yoghurt pot and make the Mona Lisa. He wouldn't just do well, that. He'd, get he'd, go, you'd, 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 he'd go, and you can create the Mona Lisa. And you'd go, oh, great. I get, this is perfectly plausible. But then he'd go, and I've also done. And then he'd walk across the studio slightly. And there'd be a Mona Lisa that was 25 feet long and 43 yeah. feet wide. And he'd be like, made out of dustbins and a car and just large <laughs> items that he'd found to create this huge piece of artwork when you asked your parents if you could use the dustbin to make the mona lisa they were like no yes and can i have a helicopter so we can actually view my piece of art that i've created because i don't oh that's studio. right no it wasn't across the studio he would go on he would go on location wouldn't it you'd go to like a football field or something and, and you'd see unravel him a, close a, up. a tarpaulin yeah and, yes, and exactly. a, yeah it would pull out and it would be a it would be a, what's the word we're looking for a not a mosaic not a tapestry a collage a collage. Mm. a collage that's it of of you know football boots and such like yeah but my my yes, memory no was it was always re- related to whatever the picture was it was made of items related to the picture you're absolutely exactly right. yeah but then it would yeah. come to life and run away it, it did i'm fairly sure it, several of them did run away i think they animated them sometimes didn't they yeah they did yeah but I, I remember going. The one that really stuck with me was the one that because they were so so often you made it sound easy. But even as a kid, you could kind of tell that sounds like a lot of effort. But there was one that I really wanted to do where he'd got like a pebble from his back garden and had sort of, you know, done a face on it and it looked really, mm. you know, it looked really good. I thought, oh, I'll do that. And I remember going out into the back garden, finding a suitably, sort of round and sort of vaguely head shaped pebble. And sitting down with a felt tip and trying to draw on it and being utterly incapable of. You know, because a felt tip doesn't draw on stones. Not so well, no. And and it was just one of those moments where, you, like, you know, you had big plans, and it was like, this is what we're going to do this afternoon, and it was going to look great, and then you sit there and you go, oh. I seem, I seem <laughs> to remember work. pretty much everything was covered in papier-mâché and then painted in yes. th- thick layers of paint. Thick, thick layers. And he'd always have this great big brush and paint it, and be like, how did you get that detail with that brush? Because it would cut to the finished item. And be like, there's a disconnect yeah. here, something... You uh, you were flapping around yogurt pots and bits of paper, and now you have a fully working dinosaur. Where, where did this come from? <laughs> Use an industrial strength drill somewhere in the middle here. Wasn't I uh, enjoyed playing with papier mache at school? That was great fun when you when you were told to make something out of papier mache. It was such yes. a great opportunity to just make a mess. Mm-hmm. It was so great. I, as a teacher now, I have no idea how lessons of papier mache ever happened, because surely more of the lessons got to be tidying up than actually doing the papier mache. But that was what classroom assistants were for, wasn't it? They would scoot round after you with a mop and a bucket and make the place nice again. And they just 
Yes, you just kind of on a shovel to get most of the paper mache off the floor and into the bin. I it is again another tangent, but can you remember the names of your school classroom assistants? Because I can. No, I don't remember my uh, having school classroom assistants. That was such a what? feature in the world. No, we didn't seem to have many. We had we had any. Mrs. Preston and Mrs. Bartram. Uh, Mrs. Preston was other classroom assistants are available. Other classroom, yeah. She she was she was quite scary. She was a bit she was a bit strict. Uh, and Mrs. Bartram was about ninety six and smelt of talc. And she was right. but she was a bit nicer. Okay. She was a bit she was a bit more like your gran, you know. Um, but Mrs. You didn't cross Mrs. Preston. She'd get cross with you. But yeah, they, they, yeah, they're, they're a big big part of school. The classroom assistants. The I mean, classroom assistants school. get cross with you. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, she did, was. did they often get cross with you in particular? Well, no, but you know, you you you're just aware of the ones who were who who had laid down the law. I mean, you know, I was an incredibly good boy, terrified of being in trouble, so I didn't I didn't rebel that's very true. much. But that's true. But um, you but were no, they, aware they of were, the, were the underlying fury. Now we've done an hour, and what we haven't done, my dear sir, my, d- my dear is, sir, is is we haven't done a foley. No, we haven't, have we? We need a foley. I think I think you should go and get something from your garage. We can, you know, we can we can edit we can edit. Oh, the, the excellent gap. suggestion. Good news. My new yes. drills have arrived. Your new drills have arrived. Go and get them. My new drills have arrived. My new drills. All right, I shall I'll, go I'll get just them. play some elevator music. Bear with. I'm back in the door. The door is closing. Goodness, that's a large box. And let me get back into the zone. I'm in the zone. In front of my colleague on screen there. Ah, oh, big box. It I says Makita. It says Makita. <laughs> which I, I'm fairly clearly a Mexican brand. Can you tip the screen down at all so I can see? Uh, well, I was going to lift them out of the box. Oh, okay, that's fine. Do you think I can still be heard? Let's move the the, the microphone. I can hear you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, that, yes, that's true. I'm not listening to the so, microphone. In the box is uh, there are two drills, two different types of drills. One is your, your classic drill things into walls etc the other is designed especially for putting in screws this is the one designed especially for putting in screws oh. So, oh. and it has excellent bright light always oh, got a light look at that Whoa. here we go here we go battery disconnect and then oh. that's, a, that's a good one ka-chunk even bigger than that is the combi drill <laughs> <laughs> Which is even more magical. Here's the uh... and the battery. Oh, oh! It's got two lights. That one, amazing. It's got twin headlights, exactly. You can That's illuminate so utterly... everything, and then I love it. it, and then put a screw Glorious. into that hole. Which is, I'm very happy about that. The best thing, I might have to plug something in to do this is I need to show you what the battery charger can do. Here's the battery charger. I'm going to put the battery on yeah. and it should make a beep. There's a beep. Now, if I'm very quick, I'll take the battery out, put it back in. It makes a long beep. If I do it again. <laughs> and one more. How cool Why? is that? One more. And the last Why one. If you wait for this one to finish, 
See if you can guess the tune. It's not going to finish because the battery won't be flat. Right. Anyway, you can change the sound the battery charger makes when the battery is charged. That is so, so pointless. I love it. Isn't that inexplicably brilliant? Very good. Well, I think we should sum up television in the late 90s and early noughties. I think we've managed to remain very much on topic there. Oh, yeah, I think it's probably one of our most topic-focused episodes we've Definitely. ever done. I mean, there was a large section in the middle where we explained um, gravity Newtonian physics. and how orbits work. I think that's the bit we should definitely keep. Uh, I, uh, yes. yes, television formed a big part, but not a massive part of my childhood. And the best memories I had from it were watching it with other people. Like yes. Parents, I think. And then re-watching it on video. Yes, I think that's fair to say. I think, I think the, the watching it together was great. And I think that there was just certain things, certain television shows that really sparked your imagination and made you think in different ways and 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 filled you with wonder that's i think that's the word we're looking for here there was there was wonder about about it and and i think that's probably still the case today it's just uh, you know younger tv uh, younger kids watch different tv but that's the glory of it, it, it exactly it i mean fills your mind with new possibilities when walking with dinosaurs came out i wanted to be a paleontologist age yes. four or however old i was and i knew the word and i knew what i wanted to do because i knew what the job entailed because i'd watched these fantastic programs about it yes and when bernard's watch came out i wanted to be a time traveler and i i still to this day it's my vision and dream <laughs> forget so. the physics i want to be a time traveler <laughs> yeah or no not even a time traveler just a time interrupter but you'd get old that's the only other problem with bernard's watch you would age far faster than everyone else oh my gosh you would Oh, the darkness! The abyss has returned. On that if note, you... finish, finish yeah, exactly. us with an abyss. With an abyss. 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 Good night, children. Good night.